Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we had, uh, I got so much feedback and comments about the Die on that Hill segment, uh, which I was excited about because I wanted to do it a weekly one, and I think we're going to do it. So we've got a veteran of the show that's been on a couple times, my good friend T. He's on the show today, and uh, T, what Eric, hill are you dying on today, my oh friend? Oh man, this this one is going to be you know kind of near and dear to both of our hearts because it kind it, it it has to do with a time that was very important in our life, pretty much when we first met. So um, I'm going to die on the hill that Nirvana is not the best band to come out of the grunge movement. Okay, so since this is the second one i've done right and uh i i still i feel like i can tweak this a little bit um i didn't want to i didn't want to pick a side right you know what i mean so i didn't want to be like okay because you're dying on the hill tell me why you're dying on the hill and i don't want to be like a convince me type of thing like i'm gonna you know use the right to say if i agree with the hill too so we're on the hill together. Right. <laughs> You're not dying alone on the hill. But I want to hear, and I know the listeners do too, and I'm probably going to get a ton of shit for this episode, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm good with it because me and you have been friends forever, and we're going to debate peacefully and maybe teach people how to debate, right, and especially nowadays. But um, why are you dying on that hill? Well, look, Eric, I, I don't think anybody who knows music or any sense of music history can argue with the importance of Nirvana and their place in the evolution of music. Um, that summer of 91 and going into 92, everything just turned on its head. And it was it was one of those like kind of like a flashpoint in music business where just it, it goes from hair metal to now and and we had hip-hop getting a little bit more popular um and then all of a sudden you know smells like teen spirit comes on the radio and everybody loses their mind look the album sold 30 million copies they've sold a ton of records um but they're not that great they are important they're they're they came in at at a great time uh for them they came in at a great time for music but i don't think they're the best band in their city at the time now let me ask you this and this is going to go to something i had thought about today okay. and we didn't we didn't talk beforehand you know what i mean but we we grew up together so it's like you know we can probably finish each other's sentences with this <laughs> right who is the best band from that grunge era in your opinion so i'm gonna say that mother love bone was the best whoa i was not expecting that but um man. Wow. Just be, just their influence is so prevalent in in the and then you know so out of them become, comes Pearl Jam and then we have Soundgarden we have Alice in Chains um I think Mother Love Bone is I think Alice in Chains is better um I think Pearl Jam's better uh, and and once again I'm not saying that Nirvana is bad they had a place it was very important but they're just not they're I think they're they're not as great as everybody everybody says that they are. I think you are correct, but I have a really weird thing with Nirvana, and I'm just going to confess my Nirvana, um, basically, kind of how I how I learned about them, and and later how, how I my mind was changed a bit. So I grew up a metal kid for sure, 
Like I liked glam. I liked, you know, heavy metal, thrash. I liked all that stuff, right? And in 1991, when that record came out, I was a junior in high school going to be a senior in high school. I actually was a senior in high school when that record came out. And I don't remember that record really blowing everything up for the most part, but then I remember grunge pretty much taken over by the spring to summer of, of 92. Um, I hated Nirvana. I was like, these dudes can't play. The guy's guitar is out of tune, yada, yada. I just didn't like it, right? But in the time period that I was in, in 91, 92, I'm really into, you know, Maiden and Sabbath, and I was a big Metallica fan, Megadeth, um, Pantera. Like, so I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to get Nirvana back mm-hmm. then, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing that I think Nirvana did that I think they should get all the credit for in the world is that they made it where you could wear a T-shirt and jeans, look like you haven't showered in a week, <laughs> And you could get a record contract and be, you know, the next big thing, which I think was huge for me as an impressionable 17-year-old because I didn't look like I belonged in a hair band. I didn't look like I belonged in a metal band. I was just this goofy kid with red hair and jersey, you know, just playing music, trying to find my place in time. So I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't there, if that makes sense. So... um what Nirvana did, in my opinion, was that. Now, the thing that was interesting about Nirvana to me was I, they, they were raw, like punk, right, which is really cool, and they, they were loud and aggressive. But what people don't realize was they took a big play out of the Beatles book, and, and, and Kurt, like with his melodies vocally, were very Beatlesque, and people don't really realize that. You can take... Um, heart shaped box and listen to that down. Well, down, down, well, it's like it's Sergeant Pepper. Where's Sergeant yep. Pepper's? I mean, it's the same thing. It's 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 interesting. They had the melody sensibility. They had this completely turning the axis of what was going on. And in that time period too, you have to remember there's so many interesting styles. Now, the thing that's hard for me about this question about the hill, I don't disagree with you on it, right? But I don't think the the hill is represented correctly. I think there were so many people just thrown into that into that grunge thing because they were from Seattle, and I think bands were thrown into that grunge thing that didn't belong there, like Cough Cough Stone Temple Pilots, yep. um, Cough Cough Candlebox. You know what I mean? Cough, cough, Pearl Jam, personally. When I think grunge to me, I think loud. I think a lot of Sabbath, uh, you know, undertones. I think mm-hmm. Melvins. I mean, I I think, you know, Screaming Trees. I, 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 don't, I don't think Pearl Jam belongs in that. I think Pearl Jam is just a good rock band that put yeah. out two excellent records, one okay record, and then for me just fell off the planet Earth. <laughs> I, but I do see Nirvana being part of that grunge grunge thing but i don't see i don't i look at allison chains as a metal band i look at soundgarden as a metal band it's grunge was something that i think was just slapped on a label from all these great bands coming from seattle and oh we got to figure out something to call it instead of just saying the seattle scene which which we did hear that back in the day too yeah, I mean, it's like anybody who's wearing a flannel was a grunge was a grunge artist, right? I mean, you could throw Smashing Pumpkins in there too, and yeah, and, and 
but I they're not they're, right I, mean, I think they're from chicago yeah but right? and it's but but like do you have to be from seattle to be a grunge artist no not you know what i'm saying like it's it, we lived in a very weird time period from like like 1989 to like 93 where there were so many cross genres of stuff i think music really i think it's one of like that those four years there was so much creativity and difference that really i mean Think about what we were listening to in 85, 86, 87. Then think about 88. I mean, Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nine Inch Nails. Um, Faith No More. Tool. You I know, mean, you can keep going and going and going. You know, early Mallory Manson was in that time period. Yes. There's a lot of underground stuff. You know, um, Smashing Pumpkins is a great example of a band that had a little bit of that grunge sound to it too. But I look at Smashing Pumpkins as more like a – I hear more Thin Lizzy than anything and mm -hmm. Smashing Pumpkins, which is funny because people go, you're crazy. But if you listen to a lot of that guitar stuff, I hear that. I hear, I mean, Sleep was in 92 and they were like that stoner doom stuff that was like really that genre that didn't exist yet. Like you had them and, you know, Cathedral and a couple of those other bands. But but there was so much movement where, you know, I, I think it's, it's – it's, and, and then like the metal bands were turning into like – like mainstream bands thanks yeah. to the black album right so it's like you know I, I think i die on the hill with you on this for sure because i don't think i mean if it, it and i love your mother love bone choice because i i have such a soft spot in my heart for mother love bone but i, I if i was to take one i would say soundgarden well th think about we we'll go back to mother love bone without mother love bone i don't think any of this gets off the ground I you mean, know what's funny i think it does um, I really think it does. And I know the importance of Mother Love Bone because Mother Love Bone hatches Pearl Jam. But let's be honest, Nirvana is the band that really changes everything. If you think oh, 100%. about it, right? And, 100%. And, and I think that's what's hard about it because, yes, I agree. I don't think, I think they were the band that, they were the band that will always be known for what they were known for. I mean, you know, Kurt takes his own life, you know, very early on, 27 years old. Nirvana has a shelf life. I mean, you can go back to Bleach, you know, 88, 89 era. You know, a lot of those bands were really trying to find their sound. If you hear Alice in Chains mm -hmm. in 88, they're basically a they're like glam band. Glam band, right? You know, a lot of those bands didn't have their their feel yet. I think Mother Love Bone, you know, Green River, there's there's those certain bands that are, are the iconic, you know, grunge, if you want to call them grunge mm -hmm. bands. It's I, it's hard. Um but the thing that I think is interesting is, is Nirvana's the band that really changes everything. But they're not the best band, in my opinion. And if I was to pick a best band, and that represented Seattle the most in that sense, I would say Soundgarden. I mean, I think, I think Cornell was such a genius. Oh my goodness, he was. And I don't think people realize how much of a genius he was until. Like Bad Motor Finger to me is just an an incredible record, and then to follow that up with Super Unknown is like unbelievable. Like the different tunings, everything that guy's doing, the range that guy had, and, and let's put it this way: the one thing I love about the Seattle scene, I'm not going to call it grunge, is yeah, the range of singers in that 
every one of those singers sounds different. If you think about it, Cobain has that really unique voice. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and I forgot to finish this, this thought earlier on. When I started respecting and appreciating Nirvana more is when I first started teaching guitar back in 94. And every kid had a backwards baseball cap and a flannel and wanted to learn Green Day, Offspring, and Nirvana. I mean, that's just, that, <laughs> yep. that was my life in 1994 and 1995. But when you listen with musician ears, teacher ears, like, I'm not going to turn somebody down and go, oh, I hate Nirvana. I'm not going to teach it to you, kid. No, I, absolutely. Let's learn it. You start picking up on things, and, and I started to appreciate them a lot more. So I didn't appreciate them when they first kicked down the door, but I came to appreciate them more later on. And I understand more of their greatness for sure. Um, but I can totally die on that hill with you, man. I mean, it's and, – and a lot of people – Do you, okay, here's another interesting thing I want to ask you real quick. Do you feel like they hold up still? See, I don't know, man. Um, like I've been listening to them quite a bit lately just to, to kind of just compare them. Um, I think some of their stuff holds up. I, you know what I did today, uh, today and yesterday also is I listened to Pixies Doolittle and Surfer Rosa. Okay. And then I listened to Nirvana's Bleach and um in utero and you can totally see where where kurt is picking on the pixies with the with quiet 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 loud 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 quiet 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 loud 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 yeah um so that was that was pretty cool to to see i look at somebody like pearl jam now pearl jam i think and we've talked about this before the the 10 album still holds up 30 years later it totally does does. it's it's fantastic i just i don't know if you can other than the, the, the hits, right. The hits. Um, I don't know if a whole heck of a lot still, still plays. And you know, it's funny. Do you think it's still revered because Kurt took his life at 27? There's only a small catalog of it and there's not that room for the dud records to come out as the band goes further. Or I always wonder about that with certain artists, like, you know, you don't see decline in artists that have short careers. Like, does Jimi Hendrix decline? Like, I don't think he declines as a player, but does he decline more in terms of like, oh, you know, the stuff he's putting out now really isn't that good as the earlier stuff. But when you only have three records and an unplugged, which, by the way, that unplugs pretty brilliant. It's really good. It's not it's my really favorite. Good. The Pearl Jam one's my favorite out of all That's those bands. Too. That's my favorite for sure. But but that's really, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like, does Kurt like continue to be strung out and just put out bad stuff? Does Grohl leave the band? Mm-hmm. Do, does does he start the Foo Fighters anyway? I mean, there's so many. You I, know what I mean? It, it's hard because, uh, and I think that. I think that Nirvana, like I said, where they came in is no questions, super important. I don't think their ceiling was that high. I think, I think they got to their peak and that was, I think if Kurt doesn't take his own life, I think that band's done within three years. I don't don't disagree with you. I don't think they had the the shelf life. I don't, and, and it part, part of it is, you know, Dave had, uh, has some things going on. And then, I mean, it, it almost seemed overnight, like Cobain passes away. And then like the next summer is like, Hey, there's this new band called the Foo Fighters and here's a new single. So you kind of feel like that was in the, in the pipeline somewhere. 
Well, here's here's something else interesting to think about, and this is kind of funny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this could probably be another die on that hill, but uh, '80s hair rock has outlasted grunge, yeah, outlasted new metal. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. like a cockroach, dude. I mean, like when you have Motley Crue, Poison, and Def Leppard touring stadiums, stadiums. in twenty twenty, like twenty twenty two, right? It's like yeah. it makes you realize, like grunge per se. Like I said, I hate using the term, kind of kills itself. I mean, no pun intended. I mean, that's awful to say, right? I'm, I don't mean it that way, but like, no, that's when you really think about it. Would you say that was over by ninety six? Probably. I think it was over with Vitalogy. Um, once once Pearl Jam kind of turned that corner and, and Pearl Jam, I think, just started to go a little too alternative. Uh, and I think we both tapped out at the same time. Um, once they turned that corner, I think it was done. Because Soundgarden, well, Soundgarden put out Down on the Upside, right? Yeah, and that was 96. 96. And then they, that was it. Well, they broke up right after that yeah. record, essentially, you know, um, and, and then and then Lane passes away in 2002. But that band hadn't done anything in a couple of years. They they hadn't that. done anything since 96. And so, so it's like maybe 96 is the end. I mean, I mean, Vitology, my favorite analogy by Vitology. And I like that record, but it's like it's like it's like a Neil Neil Young you know, tribute band, basically, is <laughs> what that record oh, 100%. is. One hundred percent. But I think there's, but but if you look at it, and it, it's kind of not fair. The, the comparison is one hundred percent not fair because Pearl Jam has been around for over thirty years. Right. But they evolved, right? Like yes. we didn't necessarily like it, but they evolved, and their ceiling turned out to be more than, way higher than I expected. I mean, I just saw them in in May, and it's been thirty years, and I'm like, holy smokes, these guys are still good. Yeah. You know, um and they still play the the songs from 10 but then they play the songs from uh the last album Gigaton that nobody likes except me apparently because their one song sounds like Depeche Mode but it's <laughs> it's like but but they evolved right and they came yes. and and they did different things. Um Nirvana I don't think was capable of doing anything different. I don't really disagree with you man and 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 it's it's it shows which I think is interesting is it shows how fast a cycle can be for a band. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and there's, there's very little bands and I'm going to mention bands that I don't really care for, but, but uh, I try to be as fair as possible. Take a band like U2, mm-hmm. right? U2 is relevant to the eighties. They're relevant in the nineties. They're relevant in the two thousands, right? That's impressive. And that's rare. Okay, Van Halen did that in the 70s, in the 80s, and 90s, and kind of changed a little bit. Both bands changed. But mm-hmm. if you think a lot of other bands, Queen's another band I can think of that was relevant in every decade and kind of pushed that envelope. Um, but a lot of other bands don't, and the shell life for them is really small. And uh, Madonna's another great example. You know, mm-hmm. as much as I could care less about Madonna, um, she re- kept reinventing herself, right? Yep. But like, and the whole, like, it looks like what, four or five years for each one of those styles of music, right? If you really think about it, you know, and it's, it's maybe it's the American thing where they just get sick of things real fast and that's it, you know, not like Europe. Europe is like, Europe, if they like you, they like you and that's it and it's cool. Like here, it seems like, I feel like a lot of that hair stuff, the metal stuff was getting old, 
And then there was just something waiting to kind of knock that away. But it was like, Mm -hmm. why couldn't you like both? You know what I mean? And And I always felt like that was a weird thing, whether MTV was programming people Mm -hmm. to be like that or, but it was weird where you couldn't, it's like you couldn't say, well, I like the new Bon Jovi record and I also like the new Megadeth record. And I also, because I remember in the 90s, in the early 90s, I remember a lot of my metal friends were like, fuck this grunge shit. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. It was almost like we had to pick, right? We had, yeah. We had to pick. Yeah. Um, and and that's not it's not fair. It's That's not fair either. Um, but you talk about like artists reinvent. Look at David Bowie. David Bowie reinvented himself nine times off the oh, top easily. of my head. Easily. And, and he was relevant for six decades. So um, it's it's important for an artist. And sometimes we don't like it, right? Sometimes we listen to something like, holy crap, this thing sucks. But the band is trying to, is, is doing new things. I don't think bands, for the most part, I don't think they do it disingenuously. I think that they, they want to create new stuff. And if they change, they change. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Well, um, I like to... I, Go ahead. You bring up good points about that. One thing I just wanted to say that always cracks me up is I, I see that meme of James Hetfield in the uh, metal detector at the airport, mm-hmm. and it's saying something like, it hasn't been metal since 1989, <laughs> or no, no detection of metal since 89. But like, the thing that's funny about certain styles of music is like, you know, you're a band like Metallica, and uh, you know, by the time... By the time Master Puppets, they tour, they're in the black finally, like, you know, sales-wise, right? And then the black album, no pun intended, like, makes them an enormous amount of money. Like, I like to call it fuck you money. And you can do whatever you want basically after that, right? And then it's it's like they're putting records out every four or five years. Obviously, you're going to change musically four or five years. But if you have so much money, right, why do we expect Metallica to still be angry, and bitter and writing these tunes in their forties and fifties when they, you know, have, you know, 40,000 foot houses, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense. It's like the only one that does it is Mustaine, but I think Mustaine's still pissed off from being fired from Metallica. (laughs) When you, when you think about it, it's like, you know, we're expecting bands to be what we want them to be. But, you know, from a guy like me, I've played in bands for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't write the same stuff I wrote 30 years ago. I don't even think I can be wired to do that. And if I'm trying to go back to that time period to write, to find that motivation to, to write, in, write my best record that I ever wrote, I think I would fail miserably. And I think we put too much on those bands to do that. And at the same time, like, I always joke around. I'm like, I don't want my ACDC to sound like Slayer. Like yeah. I want ACDC to sound like ACDC. You know, it's like when I'm when I'm getting my Frosted Flakes, I want to know that I'm eating Frosted <laughs> Flakes. As crazy as that sounds, but then yet again, so you're not allowed to reinvent yourself as an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's completely unfair to the artists. I mean, I was listening to um, Black Is Way to Blue, and you can. There's no way that that album gets written in 1992. It just no. doesn't. No, and it's a good um, record too, by the way. And that it tour, is that tour was amazing, man. That. I, I saw that tour, and uh, and I saw Moots after after the show, mm. which was kind of looking at each other, and I just go, I just said to him, I go, I'll, I'll remember this clear as day. I go, were those vocals tracked, dude? I go because that was like pitch perfect vocals, and he's like, I don't think that was tracked, and it was like, 
it was so impressive mm-hmm. how sonically amazing they sounded that night and just yeah. in tune and but but that's a band like you know i don't like anything after that record they've done and you know we talk about I, and i think i've told you this before we'll go just go back to nirvana really quick um the being the first at something doesn't necessarily mean you're the best and it doesn't have to mean that you're the you're the best like and i think i've get, i've told you this on on text before i kind of compare nirvana to the sex pistols the Sex Pistols have their two gigs in '76, and before you know it, they're they're stars. And it was the same. It's the same thing, right? They come out with the attitude, and and there's 40 people in the audience, and the, the people are just blown away by by what they've just heard for the last hour and 15 minutes. And and you know, with the God bless the internet, because I think I think I I sent it to you. I was so excited. I found the audio from the show, and and you're like, this these guys sound like crap and they're terrible and and they are they're a pretty lousy band but it was all about the attitude and it was all yeah. about the, the movement right and yeah then, but but the sex pistols they had a ceiling man and and they reached their their limit and within three years they were i would then two years they did their last show in san francisco and that was the end of that um and then you know johnny rotten goes and does pil and it sounds totally different and so you know he evolves as a musician but you know, the Sex Pistols were not even close to the best band that came out of that post-punk seven, late 70s. I mean... Oh, I completely agree with you, man. And, and the weird thing is, is, like, there'll be those people that disagree. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and, but, and I, I, think, I think the die on that hill part of this conversation, Nirvana is so revered. And I think one of the things to think about, really, we could talk about this forever, right? But it's like why are they so revered 30 years later? Yeah. I mean, if I go to target, I go to the shirt rack, there's Nirvana shirts. There's no Pearl jam or Soundgarden shirts. Right. Right. Nirvana shirts. Right. I mean, is, is it because Kurt died young? Is it because like you said, with the ceiling, we never got to see them hit their heads on the ceiling. Like, Mm -hmm. is there, is, is it because they started, they were the ones that were the face of the movement and, and how, I don't want to say controversial they were, but like really funny shit, like the MTV Music Awards where they're all like, hi, Axel, hi, Axel, and all that shit. Are you, you know, it's like, you you have to wonder. It's like, you know, you you can leave a legacy in three years because that's essentially what they did, maybe four tops, and and mm-hmm. and that carries for 30 years. But you make a great point, and, that, and that's why I will absolutely agree to die on that hill with you. If we get 10 years in Nirvana... Do we have the same conversation 20 years later? I don't think so either. I, I think we look at the last five. Let, let's let's pretend like let's play. Let's say they went from 89 to 99. The 94 to 99 stuff, eh, probably not that great. I, I agree. I mean, but unfo- but that's kind of the fun part of it, right? That's 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 we'll never know. And that's okay. We can speculate all day. Um, we have the Foo Fighters and we can look at at them now and go, hmm, I wonder what would happen. I mean, it's just like, I wonder if, what happens if, you know, do we have new order if Joy, if Ian Curtis doesn't die? I, I don't know. Well, he died. So now we know. It's like Mother Love Bone. Yeah. Like if 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 Andrew doesn't die, how different is that scene? I, th- I think you made a great point about that, that many people might not think about when they click on this uh, this episode to listen to. But, but his passing was an enormous, that was, an, that was almost as big as Nirvana breaking through. Oh, it was a, 
it was a catalyst. It was, it was a catalyst for sure. Because if you don't have that, right? And it sounds weird to say this. It's like Soundgarden's badass. Alice in Chains is badass. Nirvana. You have four bands right there, right? And then like you know, there's the there's all the other grunge Seattle type bands that just don't get the recognition that they should, right? That are there they're there too, like the Tads. I mean, there's a lot of mud honey. Those, yes, of course. There's so many of those bands, right? But I think what made Seattle special is you had four distinct different bands coming from the same area, essentially. And when you really think about that, like it, it's that's what I think made everything so special. So take Pearl Jam out of that equation, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say Mother Love Bone, let's say Mother Love Bone shifts the way that that movement goes. And now you don't have that like four different bands together thing where maybe mother love bone just kind of has its own little thing and it doesn't fit into that box of what MTV wants to put it. And then that changes everything. So you, you can look at this as, you know, the what ifs, which I think are always fun to play too. Um, but, but I will tell you, <laughs> you'll laugh at this and we'll, we'll end the conversation here in a second. Um, because they're always these are always supposed to be half an hour, but we're like best friends, so <laughs> this one's going to be longer than half an hour for sure. Um, to me, I will die on the hill that Everlong is one of the best songs written in the last thirty years, but I can't fucking stand the Foo Fighters, and I think they're I, completely overrated. I, I beat the overrated drum for the Foo Fighters. I really do. Uh, I completely agree with you one hundred percent. We're gonna we're gonna die together. If we don't hang together, we're gonna hang separately. So. You know what? Maybe we'll do that one together, and I'll bring <laughs> on another guest, and they'll just think that we're fucking crazy. But I, I literally think that that band is so unbelievably overrated. And my biggest reason why is we talked earlier about those bands that can go, you know, three decades, four decades, six decades where they're still relevant. Mm -hmm. You name me, name me five bands off the top of your head right now that started in the nineties that are stadium bands that can, that are still relevant and consistent that are drawing huge numbers. You can't like, like, like bands that if they announce a tour tomorrow in a stadium, no, you can't. I mean, no. like, and the ones that you can think of, are, I mean, I don't really care for either. And it's what you start thinking like, it's like Foo Fighters almost found the perfect storm of nobody's really, I mean, and, and people will argue about this too. And I'm not saying there's so much great music that people never find because it's so underground or they just don't get that opportunity or, you know, or they're so good, but a lot of people don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, when you think about those big, big bands, it's like you have the Foo Fighters, you have Coldplay, which I do I don't care for either. Like, mm-hmm. but they can do stadiums. But but who else do you have that started in the nineties or the two thousands that can do that? I mean, like, really? Who? Corn? No. Like Limp Biscuit? No. Well, like the only band who? that I could, the only band that I could think of, but they can't pull their heads out of their asses long enough to to do it is Oasis. Yes, I, yes, but but do Oasis do stadiums? No. Yeah, that's good. That, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like think about U2. U2 can do stadiums, right? U2 was mm-hmm. relevant in the 80s, relevant in the 90s, relevant in the 2000s. They can do stadiums. Van Halen probably could have done stadiums if Eddie would have would have lived, right? There's those certain bands like your Billy Joel's, your Elton John's. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that in our generation. And I think, you know, a lot of it is because a lot of these genres and these these music scene type of things only last four or five years. And and yeah. if you're if you're not putting out quality music for two decades, 
you know, and you're not even really around anymore. I mean, you can't you can't put Nirvana out there without Kurt. Doesn't no, matter. You can't. It's 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 yeah. It's like a chicken with no head, right? I mean, you know what I mean. Not gonna it, fly. It just doesn't make any sense. So, so we can die on that Foo Fighters hill together because I will get so much shit for that because I know oh there's my so many God, people that would... love that band and think Dave Grohl's the shit and all this other stuff. And look, Dave Grohl is talented. I'm not. I'm not knocking on his lack of talent. It's just to me, they became so formulated to the point where it's like, okay, now Dave's going to scream at me at the end of the song for a minute. And there's the end. You know what I mean? Like, but well, but yep. like I said, Everlong. Hands down, it's probably one of the best songs I've heard written in the last thirty years. That it's a brilliant still, song. Still holds up. I can listen oh. to I can listen to Everlong tonight after me and you get off this phone call and still go, yes, brilliant mm-hmm. song. That yeah, record's and, that record's great. And that record's and, great. And once again, I'm not in this whole dying on this hill. I, I want to emphasize, I'm not saying Nirvana's bad. I'm not saying that they're garbage. Kurt was insanely talented. What he was able to encapsulate in five years is incredible to yeah, sell yeah. 70 million albums in five Change, with, change with the music stratosphere on where it was going. I mean, there's so much to him. Not wanting to be a rock star, wearing mm-hmm. the crazy shirt on the Rolling Stones cover. I mean, like literally just pushing boundaries, not wanting to see the thing I think with Nirvana, which, which, uh, why I think their demise happens even without Kurt taking his own life is Kurt didn't want to be a rock star. And nope. Kurt was super uncomfortable with how big that band got. Like I remember reading something going, yeah, the jocks that we used to make fun of are now coming to our shows. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like that big, like we're not reaching the audience we want to reach. And I think they would have done a lot of, I think they would have done a lot of cutting edge things that would have kept them underground. Kind of like how Pearl Jam tried to fight Ticketmaster and mm-hmm. those type of things. I could see Nirvana doing those things. You know, Kurt was way ahead of his time being a, a rock star that was really, you know, he called himself a feminist. You know what I mean? And he was really for women's rights. And he was, yep. and Kurt really stood up to a lot of shit, which I, I, the more you read about that guy, I have a lot of respect for that. There's a great, article about a guy who hung out with Kurt who was a, a reporter and this article is long you can find it on the internet I wish I had the information um, but it's a great insight into really his psyche and where he was like mm-hmm. in that time period it, it's a brilliant article you can find it anywhere but um, but I'm dying on that hill with you man I agree with yes. you I, I, you, I, you're the first one, and we only had two, <laughs> only had two episodes. But, but my, my boy Finn, who'll probably listen to this, I, I couldn't get on the, the, uh, the, the hysteria, and later is better Def Leppard. I couldn't do it. Sorry, mm-hmm. Finn. But by doing this, and you did your research, and thank you so much for doing that. I hope that you listen to things and started to find different opinions and started to see things differently by researching it because i did that with the Def leopard episode i did it with this episode and, and that's why i love having people come on to discuss these things you know I, I, mean? I would i would challenge anybody and and it's not not to once again i'm not trying to say i'm right i'm just saying this is my belief but i would challenge anybody to listen to Nevermind versus dirt and um bad motor finger and I would and and I would challenge you to tell me that song for song Nevermind is better than any of those. I, dude, I love it. I it man, it, you're gonna get shit, and I love it for that because you know what? I, in a whole, I have 
dirt first. Mm-hmm. I have bad motor finger second. I have versus third, and I mm-hmm. have never mind fourth. And I have, um, I have dirt very high up, and I have versus and bad motor finger very close to each other. And the only reason I picked those albums is it was Nevermind was their second, Versus was their second, Dirt was their second, and Soundgarden, it was their third, but it was their um, second major. Label. Right, so, right, right, right. And and you got to remember, too, with that scene, Cornell was like one of the first guys to really kind of make it with Soundgarden. People don't realize, like, you know, the whole thing, everybody talks Nirvana, Nirvana, Grunge, 91, 91, you know, their Soundgarden's putting out records in the, in the 80s. Yeah, you know I mean? they put so out a record. So was with, streaming, streaming trees was too. You know, uh, uh, Soundgarden's first was for SST Records, the same record company that Black Flag was on. Yeah, in '87 or '88, I believe. So, well, and and I think if I'm not mistaken, out of all those bands you mentioned, I think Nirvana was the last one of the bunch to get signed to a major. I think you're right. If you don't count sub pop as a major, you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty positive. And, and Allison Chains always gets underlooked, but Allison Chains' Man in the Box is 1990. Yep. But it didn't have that impact because Allison Chains was a metal band. Yep. <laughs> in yep. my opinion, because you know what I mean. Because they had um, didn't didn't they didn't, and. I, like I said, like you said, we go on forever. But didn't Allison Chains? They they were like Guns and Roses. They just had the N in their name, and then the chains had a Z. Yes, yes. And then they changed it. <laughs> yes, and and those are the things that you know you don't want known. Like how Weezer was half a Weezer was a glam band back in the eighties, and I'm yep. sure nobody wants to know that. But I knew that when I heard "Say It Ain't So." I was like, these hipsters can play. There's something <laughs> up here. That little counterpoint lead solo there with the harmony. No, 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 no. You know more than you're 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 leading on to, which which sure. is another discussion we could get into um, that I did on a on a episode with a, a great classical guitar player out of the UK, uh, Matthew Sear. We talked mm-hmm. about how difficult it was being guitar teachers and guys that played solos in the early nineties. And how, I mean, I remember getting made fun of, and I remember just all sorts of shit where it was like, it was so not cool to play leads on your records and all that other stuff. And yeah, so thanks, Kurt, for doing that, which is really funny because there's definitely some leads on that Nirvana Nevermind record, even though they're not leads per se. Very talented guy. I super enjoyed talking to you today, man. Loved it, uh, man. And I knew, you know, yet again, another great discussion. There's no screaming A. Smith on here. You know what I mean? I'm not looking to, I'm not looking for any of that stuff. All I'm looking to do is just hear somebody's opinion on something that's like seems to me off the wall. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But if I agree right off the bat, which I knew I was going to with yours, you know, I still want to hear why you feel like it's different because. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me and you on that set. Mm-hmm. I really know that. For I mean, sure. most now here's the thing. I should I should kind of maybe I should uh, backtrack on that. I know a lot of metal dudes back then would agree with our our sediment, but I know a lot of people that weren't probably are not on that same hill as us. So mm-hmm. I hope for those people that are listening that you know nowadays we have everything at our fingertips go on to apple music go on to spotify go through your old you know collections of records and cds and tapes or whatever it is nowadays and uh really listen with open ears because there's some things that will surprise you you know i mean they really will the only thing that doesn't surprise me is dirt dirt is the best 
best album of that time period of that Seattle scene. I will fight to the death on anybody on that one. I will die on that fucking hill. Let's, like, <laughs> let's go. We're coming up on 30 years on that album. So that album, I still will never forget. I Paul Myler, who will probably not yep. listen to this podcast, but maybe Ben or Kurt will and tell Paul, Paul this. The first time I really heard Allison Chains' Dirt was Paul had it and was listening to it in Nye Hall and he was fucking cranking that shit. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing this and I remember walking down the hall and I'm like, bro, I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's a new Allison Chains. And like that changed my life forever Everything. musically. I mean, I'm sorry, dude. That record is, you want to, um, you know, the thing with that record was it's very popular and it hit with a lot of demographics, but mm -hmm. That record to me, if you want to feel pain in someone's voice, I, I can't think of a better record than that record. I mean, 100%. The realism and, and a decent amount of that was recorded during, uh, during the LA the riots, riots. Yep. which is fucking crazy, man, when you think about it. And I saw Allison Chains open up for Van Halen in 91, and I thought they were boring. So one year later, man, what they were the, Oh, they were incredible. Dude. That album is incredible. Like I said, I challenge anybody to take those four albums and go front to back or go track by track and put them in an order. My order is the same as yours, dude. It's I just can't. I mean, Dirt is just a fucking masterpiece. It's as close as a perfect record as you absolutely can have and, and whatnot. But T, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. You you died no on the hill well, my friend. And yes. uh, and thanks for being a listener too, man. I always love the feedback you give me on the episodes and and whatnot. And I appreciate when you share and your comment. Um, and and for everybody listening out there, you know, any help really helps me um, getting this 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 music website off the ground. This podcast. So if you uh, you know find mixtapes on social media and you want to just share it or. Take a listen to a couple episodes, write a review, five star, whatever. Man, it goes a long way. And we've had some pretty cool guests on. Um, I got to talk to Tracy Guns and John Karabi and Biff from Saxon. And and uh, there's more in the pipeline of some guests that I, I really am excited to talk to and never thought I'd be able to. So, you know, having a podcast is a cool thing and having this medium is a cool thing. And and people like UT make that happen. And it definitely helps me out. So I appreciate you, brother, man. Uh, stay safe, enjoy your week, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, my brother. All right, my man. 